Thanks for tuning in to Beyond the Bench. This is a podcast for athletic directors, coaches, and leaders, and it's done by three athletic directors from Iowa. I'm Todd Gordon from Greene County in Jefferson, and I'll be joined by Scott Jarvis from Ankeny Centennial and Aaron Stecker from Cedar Rapids Kennedy. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to leave us, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at beyondthebenchgls at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and let's get to today's podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Bench. And uh, yes, we are still in quarantine mode. And uh, But hey, now that we've figured out Zoom and how to record with Zoom, uh, at least we're seeing each other, and that's good. Yeah. But good news for you, you can't see us. And <laughs> you would know by the hat on my head if I took my hat off. Man, I need the barber shops to open back up, baby. I know. It's tough. I just keep using more and more product in my hair to get it to uh, form some sort of a semblance of order. I know. I don't. I know <laughs> what we were watching last night. My wife. We were watching something, and it was a musician of some sort. And she said, "Hey." Pretty soon, your hair's going to look like that. So I guess I got something I'm working towards. There you go. <laughs> the hashtag goals there, Mr. Gordon. I know, right? Who yeah. knew? Always got to have my, Jeanette keeps wanting to cut my hair, and I, I'm just – I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not there yet. Not, not, not there yet. But, I'm hanging out. I'm just uh, – I'm waiting. I'm, I'm waiting. So – well, hey, we got a, a good show today and uh, excited about this podcast. Um, just a heads up, it could turn into two podcasts and uh, <laughs> we could split it, uh, but we'll see how it all goes. But we're excited and I look forward to, to uh, what we're going to talk about today with Dr. Jared Spencer. We'll get to him in just a little bit. But first, uh, let's say hello to Hometown Ticketing. Scott, how about you take a hello with that today? I, I'm super excited. Are you an AD interested in saving time or making your job a little less stressful? Are you looking for ways to improve the fan experience at your games? Well, we at Beyond the Bench suggest you take a look into Hometown Ticketing. Hometown Ticketing provides schools with everything needed to offer professional-level online ticketing at absolutely no cost to your school or athletic program. Hometown integrates industry-leading technology directly into your existing school or athletic website. This provides your fans with a simple and easy ticket-buying experience that takes place directly on your website without the need to create an account, remember a password, or download an app. From individual game tickets to customized season pass programs, our friends at Hometown Ticketing can customize an entire ticketing platform for your program. And the best part is it doesn't cost your school or athletic program anything to get started. So visit www.hometownticketing.com to enroll your school today. That's www.hometownticketing.com. Now back to you, Todd. All right. Hey, throwing her back. There we go. Well, hey, how about I tell you about Gipper? And wait till you hear. I've added something to the end of their read. I just found this today. They are. Wait till you hear this. This is good stuff. So anyway, you want your athletic program to stand out on social media. And now you can using Gipper. 
With Gipper, you can create and share professional sports graphics to social media in seconds on any device and without needing any design experience. You can try Gipper out for free at gogipper.com backslash athletics. And Gipper has now gotten into the podcast arena. You see that? I did see that. And so now you can listen to them and search for Standout, hosted by Matthew Glick. And uh, so search for Standout, and uh, he's having ADs on there talking about their experiences with social media and uh, some guys on there that uh, we know uh, from across the country. So uh, check out Standout with Matthew Glick and Gipper. So uh, thanks to those two sponsors. And again, thank you to Varsity Bound. And uh, we look forward to sharing some information about Varsity Bound in the near future as well. So thank you again to all of our sponsors. Well, I want to welcome to the show today our podcast, uh, Dr. Jared Spencer. And uh, we uh, just connected just a few days ago. And uh, Jared's kind enough to come on and, and talk about a lot of things at the forefront right now. And that's kind of the, the mental health, the emotional well-being of our student athletes, first and foremost, and we look forward to uh, hearing what he has to say. But here's just a little bit about Jared. He's a sports psychologist, a speaker, an author, a consultant, and he is president and founder of Mind of the Athlete, LLC, a sports psychology company committed to improving the emotional health of athletes. He is the author of Mind of the Athlete, Clearer Mind, Better Performance and the co-author of the book, The Sky Is Not the Limit, Discovering the True North for Your Life's Path. He is the creator of the Mind of the Athlete program, a cutting-edge 10-hour video and audio sports psychology curriculum. Dr. Jared Spencer serves as a sports psychologist for several professional teams and individual professional athletes. He also works closely with NCAA teams, including teams at Princeton University, Lehigh University, and the University of Maryland. He maintains a private practice wherein he provides one-on-one coaching for athletes and business leaders. He travels the country speaking to athletes, coaches, parents, students, athletic directors, healthcare professionals, and business leaders. From pharmaceutical companies to state high school athletic athletic director conferences to college campuses, Dr. Spencer empowers people with his signature message of clearer mind, better performance. As an athlete, Dr. Spencer was an all-state high school wrestler who captained his team to -to back-to-back New Jersey state championships. While in college, he was a record-setting tailback for the Lafayette College football team. And additionally, while attending graduate school at Westchester University, he played wing on the rugby team. So Dr. Jared Spencer, he resides with his wife and three children in the beautiful Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. And uh, Jared, welcome to be on the bench and thank you for being with us. It's truly a privilege and a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You bet. Well, we got a lot to cover today, but first, you know, that bio said a lot about you. Number one, you played rugby, which I admire greatly. That's rugged sport. Um, But kind of tell us uh, what got you interested in doing what you're doing right now. Well, like you and most people in the sports world, if you stick with sports long enough, you're going to experience the mountaintops and the valleys. And that's exactly what happened. And so, in particular, one day, one play, one hit in college football, wasn't even looking. 
um, third concussion of the season, done, out, and never played the sport again. And during that window of recovering from post-concussive syndrome for about nine months, I really took a long, introspective look at who am I, what do I want to do? And what I decided was I'm really going to go on this path to get a doctor in psychology. I want to really bring awareness to the emotional side of sports for two reasons. One, there's a lot of health and healing that can occur. The second is there's a lot of a uh, competitive advantage that can come when you learn about the mind. And so as I was learning about the mind prior to that injury and then afterwards, and as I applied it to different areas of my life, I thought to myself, there's a competitive advantage here. And so I want to help people as much as they possibly can to learn about the mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so just a few things. What have you learned along the way? I mean, you always look back a little bit and say, but what's a few things you've learned as you've gone through this journey? Well, mental health has really changed dramatically. And sports have really changed dramatically. And one thing I'll say coming out of the gates that you may or may not agree with or even like me saying, but I'll say it because this is what I see. I think that my generation of parents have really wrecked youth sports in America. I think that something that was so good and so great when I grew up, uh, you know, middle in the, in the 80s and the 90s, if you look at uh, youth sports, say, in America, uh, it's, it's out of control. And it's usually the intensity from the parents and coaches on the sidelines. And so I love, love, love sports, but I don't like what I see in youth sports where it's unregulated, right? And I don't like how athletes are. They're not just overtraining. They're under-recovering. They don't have enough rest and recovery to match the level of training because they're not just playing one sport year-round. They're playing one position. Mm -hmm. So anatomically, they're out of balance. Emotionally, they're spent. And so this has been a huge thing that I've seen in my journey in sports over the last um, few years, few decades. Now, all that leads to this critical moment. The pandemic is one of the best things that's happened to sports. Because it's really beginning to give all these athletes a break, a much needed break, and an opportunity to step back. And I guess that's part of what we'll figure out today and talk about today. But um, this is, it's not all bad. Right. That's a, a big point in the uh, article that you just, that I just read. Uh, that was just out there that was just released uh, just over the weekend. Um, yes. I know you said the break was a good thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That essentially, who are you without athletics? Yeah. Right. It's that and identity piece. Absolutely. Yeah. And as people are finding more time to reconnect with hobbies, a hobby is an outlet to let out tension. So the more people can develop outlets outside of sports, when they actually return to sports, they're going to be better versions of themselves because they'll have more uh, stress-relieving uh, skills. Mm -hmm. That's just one aspect of why the pandemic has been positive or good for athletes. Gotcha. Yeah, thanks. All right. Uh, this is Scott here. We are yeah. obviously in the middle of a very different and unprecedented time. And, and how that relates to, you know, us in, in many ways is just so different than what we're used to. <clears throat> but in particular, ADs and coaches have not completely, have been, not been trained to do this. 
what would be your advice to our listeners who are in any of these categories, you know, of work? What do we need to do for our athletes at this time? Well, I mean, obviously I'm a little bit biased, but I think we need to put mental health first and foremost. <clears throat> the truth is it's not in any athletic budget and mental health has never really been accounted for in many school districts budgets for athletics at the high school and the college level. But now more than ever, we need to appeal to the people in power to say, can we get some funding? Uh, local counselor or sports psychologist or psychologist to come talk to our athletes can we can we get some resources can we get some books can we get some videos can can we do something for the mental health of these athletes because now more than ever uh, we are seeing a huge spike in anxiety and depression i agree um gonna stay with that and maybe bigger question off of that um because I think I think you're right. I think this this uh, this COVID nineteen pandemic is is shining a brighter light on the importance of mental mental health training, mental performance training uh, in our schools. I think we've been seeing a trend uh, at the high school level. I know we've talked about it quite a bit here, but we've been seeing a trend. It's been at the college and pro level. We're seeing it now uh, become operationalized at the high school level. This idea of mental performance training and, and how do we start having conversations with our student athletes about the mental preparation side of athletics. So as we are jumping into that and maybe more so now thrust into that because of the, the, the pandemic and, and working with our kids' mental health uh, and mental stability, what advice do you have for us in terms of um, our coaches have limited time with kids, maximizing our uh, maximizing the way the impact we can have with the short amount of time we have with our kids at the high school level to improve mental performance. What, what should we be doing with our programs? What types of things should we be trying to engage our kids in um, as coaches and athletic directors to improve their mental performance? Well, the very first thing we have to do is really, I think, adhere to Dr. Brian Hainline's um, suggestions as uh, ethical guidelines for mental health moving forward for the NCA that he put forth a couple of years ago. And one of the very first things he said is this, or the big four, he said, licensure required. He really would like to see, there's a lot of people out there in mental health, um, particularly at the high school level. We got, you know, people say, I'm a mental skills guy, or I'm a certified consultant, or this. Look, bottom line is this, mental health is such a big deal. If you're going to have anybody talk to your athletes, I'm obviously a little bit biased, but First and foremost, find out, do they have a license? You know, it, it can't be in a retired athletic director who's out there talking about anxiety or confidence uh, anymore because, you you know, anxiety, is, uh, it's, it's so significant. It's so genetic. It's so biochemical. Um, you know, one study I saw had uh, about 20% of uh, college athletes taking some type of medication for mental health. And so we we can no longer have somebody just – talking to our athletes that isn't qualified. So doctoral level licensed uh, psychologist is, is obviously the best. And uh, if you find somebody with an emphasis on sports, um, that would be great as well. So first things first, licensure required. Uh, that's Now it's hard to find somebody in everybody's little corner of the world that actually would have that. And so I understand the difficulties and I understand there's, there's wonderful people out there giving some of my dearest friends giving great messages, but they're no longer, they're not licensed. So 
as we move forward, we really want to have those individuals stay a little bit more in the teaching uh, realm. Um, but in the high school level in particular, we've got to make sure licensure required. One of the things I know that you've mentioned as well, I think it's in your book, is that let's talk about some of the worst things we can say right now. You know, like suck it up or, you know, you know, we all want to be positive and, you know, we, we got to be positive. But what are some of the worst things we can be saying right now to our kids that aren't really helping them? In fact, they're maybe putting more burden on them, like suck it up or, you know, toughen up. You can do it. How about that? Yeah, well, I use the acronym SCAR. You don't want to scar your kid, S-C-A-R. And what I mean by that is this. Never, ever talk to a kid. You know, I'm coming at this more from the parent angle. Never talk to your kid about athletics until they're showered, changed, ate, and rested. Showered, changed, ate, and rested. After they're showered, changed, ate, and rested, you know, anybody feels much better. And you're going to have a more productive conversation. The trouble for too many uh, coaches and, and uh, parents is that after the game or after the practice, look, if you're a good athlete, you should be depleted. Win or lose, you should be depleted. And at that point in time, your emotional energy is so low that you don't want to talk about the game. You just want to like zone out and get shower changed and rested. And so if we look at emotional energy on a scale of zero to 100, you know, 70 is kind of the breaking point. That's when negative thinking creeps in. That's when an athlete breaks up, gives up, gives in, takes their foot off the gas. So most athletes are below 70 after a practice or a game. So until that emotional energy comes back up, uh, no matter what you say, it's going to be counterproductive. So what, what should you say? Well, this is where the hobbies come in, what I just talked about earlier, which is, you know, what do you and your kid like to talk about outside of uh, the sport? And as a coach, what do you and that player have in common outside? Of, talk about anything else that you have a connection with. But here's the problem. Most coaches and even a lot of parents will tell you, oh, man, we don't really talk about much outside of sports. And that's the problem. we got to get to know our athletes uh, a lot better. and we got to cultivate outside hobbies and interests together. Talk about that until their shower change eight and rested. Yeah. So I would yeah. talk. Just, oh, go, go ahead, ahead. I was just saying it's a justification for the 24 hour rule right there. Um, yep. Right. Yes, it is. And yeah, it, it is. comes back to what we say, the six most important words you say after a game to your kid. I love to watch you play, yeah. you know, and, and that's, that's it. And then let's talk about something else. And, you're right. The 24 hour rule. That's it right there. Yeah. Hey, Jared, you mentioned it in the, um, in your question, question before about licensure required. What were those other three topics that went along with that? Yeah. Dr. Hainlines, uh, is ethical guidelines. And so <clears throat> one of them was, uh, we should provide some education. That was a big one. <laughs> Let me, I'm going to blank out now. <laughs> Put it on the spot here. Uh, gosh, a little bit of a brain fart. So uh, some education, licensure required. Um, oh, resources. Every school should have a very clear 
who are the school counselors available? Who are the local counselors available? Mm -hmm. And so that information needs to be uh, public. It needs to be on a website. It needs to be um, in a bathroom. You know, you go to the bathroom and, and there it, is. it should be a sheet. <clears throat> Struggling with mental health? You know, here's the people in our community you could co contact and call. And so uh, that is another big one that we've got to begin to implement. In implement is uh, licensure required, and then we've got to educate, 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 and then we've got to make our resources known. And the fourth one will come to me as soon as my brain gets a break. <laughs> yeah. We'll come back. You, you throw it in whenever you want. How about that? Got it. We, uh, we can relate to that. Yeah, that's all right. Um, in your book, Mind of the Athlete, uh, you write that the pre-conscious mind is the most important part of the mind for us to control if we want to achieve high performance. Can you explain what the pre-conscious mind is and why that is true? Sure. So the pre-conscious mind is that part of your mind where memories are stored that are outside of your immediate awareness, but you know you can become quickly aware of them. So in our pre-conscious minds would be things like, you know, what are you having for dinner later on this evening? What are the plans tonight, tomorrow? What's on your calendar, your schedule? What did you do this past weekend? And so there's a lot of stuff that can be in the pre-conscious mind. And oftentimes they're emotionally charged um, life experiences. So the game last night or uh, the test that a student took. And so a lot of emotionally charged things are in the pre-conscious mind. So for us right now in the pandemic, there's a lot going on in the pre-conscious mind uh, because there's so many unknowns like anxiety is fear of the unknown. I don't know what's going to happen. Is there going to be school in the fall? Um, depression, hurt held inward. You know, I'm, I'm just tired of doing the same thing every day. I really want to mix things up. So there's a lot of hurt held in the pre-conscious mind. Now, when the pre-conscious mind is clearer, then your psychological defenses relax a lot more and things can come up from the ex-conscious mind and the um, unconscious mind. And so when the, the defenses relax and pre-conscious mind is clear, some outdated or, or old information, you know, are, are tucked down there. So, for example, a moment ago I said, yeah, I really can't remember all four off the top of my head super quick, but now that I had a moment, you know, that fourth little bubble came up through the, from the ex-conscious mind, pre-conscious mind and conscious mind, and then I said, oh my gosh, it's, um, it's, it's questionnaires, it's, it's pre-player uh, questionnaires. Uh, before they compete in a season, you know, can we administer a little test that would say, tell me a little bit about some anxiety, some depression, some family history, some medication. And so that's a, that's a very difficult item. Um, not really as uh, very easily at all carried out at the high school level where people are under the age of 18. And, and now we're talking about very strong HIPAA compliant information. And then, of course, you know, while I'm going down this path, you know, who has access to that information? You know, should a coach know if a player's on medication for anxiety, um, but are they HIPAA uh, bound the way that some healthcare professionals might? So this is where that one gets a very uh, slippery slope. It's, it's quite tricky. And then how do you retest, test, and retest again to keep uh, the concepts of uh, mental health fresh so you can compare before, middle, and after season? So 
that personal example I just shared with you about how I remembered that now is how the, the conscious mind, uh, pre-conscious mind work. So the clearer a person's mind is, the easier that stuff kind of comes up and flows a lot easier, a lot more readily for people. And so that's the concept of the pre-conscious mind. And you, and you talk a lot about, in the book, about, um, you know, that pre-conscious mind can lead to so many other issues, sleep habits, um, obviously the anxiety, but sleep is one of the number one things that I think we're missing out on nowadays. Um, so when a person goes to rest, what are some things you would recommend that we we can work with our athletes on to kind of clear that mind before they can get some rest? Well, this is another reason why the pandemic is, has been really good for athletes. Uh, the truth is, prior to the pandemic, uh, most people were sleeping about six, six and a half, an hour, six and a half hours in the evening. That's nowhere near where an athlete needs to be, around 8.5 to 9.2. Most people would describe, uh, athletes, coaches, teachers would describe their lives as busy. And the way they felt is tired. And now we're seeing athletes and, and people get able to get a lot of rest and a lot of sleep. So some of the basics are this. The consistency of sleep matters the most. And if you throw off your sleep just one night, it takes about three nights of consistent sleep to get back on track. So if athletes really want to perform well on Saturday, then what they got to do is Go to bed after the game on Saturday, although that's the night most people go out. People stay up late. But consequently, um, people feel the worst on Monday. So Monday's productivity is really low in the classroom and at practice, Monday and Tuesday. And so uh, an athlete could have a huge advantage if they were actually getting really good sleep Friday and Saturday night uh, so that their Monday, Tuesday in the classroom and practice was better. They'd have a competitive advantage. And so that's just one small example but consistency of sleep like that can make a huge difference in injuries uh, prevention, in memory retention for classes, in lowering anxiety. Uh, all of this is vital for mental health. If we want to solve the mental health problem in America, we've got to solve the sleep problem. And the way we solve the sleep problem is, quite frankly, breaking the cell phone addiction problem. But that's probably another question for <laughs> <laughs> Good luck on that one. Yeah. Uh, um. So, uh, Jared, this is Scott again. What can we do as athletic administrators to kind of bridge that gap in helping our student athletes deal with mental health issues? Well, we got to put resources and, 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 and start, I would say, uh, for an athletic administrator. Number one, reach out to people in your community, find out who the local counselors and psychologists are, and call a meeting and say, I want to get you all to come to the office, let's meet, let's talk, and let me get to know you, and let me find out who are the people that I feel comfortable saying, you know, come around our athletes, and, and I could refer uh, some athletes to them. So if, if an athletic administrator doesn't have his or her list of, you know, three people that they really endorse in the community, then that's, that's where they got to start. The second thing is they should really start looking for good, solid resources to be funneling uh, through an email to parents and, uh, and coaches and, and to athletes and same on social media. So look for your sources. And so who are people that you can get behind? And so, for example, um, there's a number of high schools that I serve around the country and because I serve them and they see me, they bring me in every year to speak and, 
and uh, talk, then they follow the mind of the athlete, social media, and they're forwarding stuff. And I'm sending messages out. And as I do press and podcasts and articles and videos and, and such, they're uh, sharing that with their athletes. And I believe that this is really where every high school in America needs to have that type of relationship with somebody that uh, both locally and then also more national figures where they can keep a steady flow of content electronically now than to their athletes. Why? It's pretty simple. I hate to say it, but, you know, a lot of it's cover your butt. You know, mm -hmm. if something happens at your school and, and the attorney comes in and says, okay, well, what did you guys do for mental health? Uh, well, we, we really didn't do anything. Well, show, let's show us your social media, you know. But if you, if you show like, hey, we're putting resources out there or um, this is one reason why I created that Mind of the Athlete program, the 10-hour curriculum, because if that's uploaded onto uh, a server for a school and they could actually – every, every student athlete has access to that just like they would log in to anything else – then it's like, hey, we have a mental health curriculum available for athletes and parents and coaches to check out so they could get content. Yeah. So this is where we got we to gotta make the resources available to our student athletes and beyond. Can you talk – that's a perfect segue. Can you talk a little bit about that program, uh, what that entails? Sure. Yeah. You know, essentially it's uh, 16 10-minute uh, videos. Each video was filmed with uh, some athletes and some coaches, and, and I'm talking about different topics such as how do you manage anxiety, how do you manage sleep, how do you manage emotional energy, how do you manage confidence. And there's a little questionnaire that can go with that as well for individual and team reflection points. And then there's um, a bunch of CDs, you know, uh, you know things like uh, uh, cell phones. You know, here's an hour worth of content on how you can have a better relationship with your cell phone so you can be a better athlete. Or how do you uh, manage pregame jitters, nervousness? And so we've got to educate, educate, educate. And if we can have the stuff so that they can download onto their phones and listen to it on the bus rides or watch a video, you know, for 10 minutes before a practice, before they go out there, it's an easy way to incorporate mental health into uh, coaches very limited uh, time frame uh, that they have to work with athletes. In particular, during times like this of a pandemic, and who knows what the whole future is going to look like, this is a great opportunity to work on the mind. So if athletes could be logging in and coaches could say, hey, everyone watch that video on, on confidence, and then we're going to talk about it in a Zoom, this is a way we, we both uh, help mental health, but we also get positive sports psychology competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. And information for that is on your on the website, Mind of the Athlete. Yeah, yeah. And essentially, a school could buy it and they get the license to use it with everybody in the school district. That's really the way way to go. Okay, thank you, Jared. It's Scott here again. Go ahead. Um, I, I read a recent recent article here um, in NFHS, and it states that thirty two percent of our student athletes are dealing with some sort of anxiety disorder, and then in girls, it's even more prevalent. It says thirty eight percent and boys are 26%. And you talked about a little bit about, you know, the resources, but maybe what's specifically for anxiety? What kind of supports would you recommend for ADs and coaches in helping those kids who are really struggle, struggling with anxiety? It's interesting. Those numbers are low. Um, the National College Health Assessment comes out each year, and in 2018 um, indicated that 
uh, 70% of our college students experience overwhelming anxiety yeah. in the previous year. And I think that's a far more accurate number. Mm-hmm. Um, and so overwhelming anxiety is pr- pretty significant. And so anxiety is now an epidemic among our young people. And so um, what, what do we do about it? Well, look, there's the symptom and then there's the problem. My, in my guesstimation, I think that the problem is really multifaceted, but it's worth you know, just sharing a few of those facets. One is, again, um, parents of rec youth sports in America, they've paired high anxiety with performance. Don't believe me, come with me to any little league soccer field with a bunch of eight-year-olds on a, on a Saturday. And tell me how you know the dad who's never around suddenly acts like a lunatic every time the ball comes by that little girl, and it's like Pavlov's dog theory, right? You know, ring the bell and show the steak and you salivate. It's like there it is, <laughs> and so uh, that's what we've done, which is horrible. So now we have high anxiety paired at an early age. But the other part of it is anxiety is driven by lack of sleep. Lack of sleep is driven by cell phone addiction. Uh, I make every athlete, you know, hold up their phone and take a look at your screen time. And I don't have to know what it is, you know, how many hours of screen time and and what, when are you on your phone and what, what you would be shocked to see as a coach or a parent is that the numbers are just disturbing. Um, So I say no cell phone in the bedroom. Uh, Every kid around nine, 10 o'clock at night should be turning in their phone to a a family charging station that should be in the master bedroom on the far side away from the bed and never should the cell phone be in the bed. Um, the problem is mom and dad can't enforce it because mom and dad are in the bed with their cell phones too. Mm-hmm. And people say they use it as their alarm clock. Well, guess what? You're not going to believe this, but we used to have these little boxes, you know, with these numbers <laughs> on it. <laughs> they still work. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to anxiety, those are some of the, 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 the roots of the, of the weed. When it comes to managing some of the anxiety, what could coaches do? Here's one of the best things I've seen. You know, one uh, college team that I serve, you know, their athletes come in, they're very academic, very, um, very studious. And so the first thing coach does is everyone lay down. Lay down, close your eyes, slow down your breathing. We're doing 10 minutes of total relaxation. Forget about everything from the academic day. We're going to just turn the brain off a little bit and then turn the brain on a little bit. And then we'll start our practice. And that's a lot like if you took your phone to the Apple store and it wasn't working, they'd say, just turn it off and turn it on. And it usually fixes most problems. For uh, practices after school, I'd say, turn the brain off. Five minutes, just not off. And then get them up and going. And it's amazing how that little shift of the sympathetic nervous system to the parasympathetic nervous system could be enough to have a much more efficient practice practice as, as what a, uh, this team. I'm Thank you. You're very welcome. So what are, yeah, that, that comment reminds me of my coaching days. Thank you. Where it was like, all right, hurry up, get down to the locker room, get out on the court, get there in three minutes because we're starting practice at 3.40. So I violated that rule big and bad back in the 80s and 90s. I'll tell you that right now. 
Uh, well, first of all, different world back then. This is really where, like, you, me, and this is why I appreciate you guys having me on this podcast, is that, look, you know, we have to follow the science. And so, you know, what, what I went through as an athlete, is just, it's just outdated. I mean, sure, it worked in some ways, but what does the science show? And for those people that are progressive enough to understand how the mind works and apply these techniques, they're actually going to find there's a huge competitive advantage, huge competitive advantage. So you've got to follow the good science. Yeah, I, I think that's the key too. Is I mean, you've said that several times. It's about this provides a competitive advantage. And I think when we talk to our kids, um, you know, about mental performance and uh, things like that, we sell it on the fact, and it's true, that this will give you an advantage. It's not about being able to put up 320 pounds 10 times. It's, it's about the power of that mind that you have that I think we're missing out on. Yeah, in fact, one uh, amazing uh, video I saw on YouTube, fantastic video, really talks about exactly that, that, um, you know, perception of effort is the biggest variable in when a person uh, gives up. And that's really the essence of sports is like, at what point are you going to give up and give in? And when the perception of effort is, is, is like, ah, this is too much for me. Uh, then you give up and give in. Well, what determines uh, perception of effort? It's mental fatigue. Mm -hmm. And so if, the, if an athlete is rested, higher emotional energy, uh, less anxiety, less emotional stressors in their life, clearer mind, then their effort is going to be, yeah, I'm going to hit that bench press and I can do that as opposed to, I, I, I hope I can, let's see. So, it goes, it'll, all the roots go back to mental health. And, and quite frankly, if, I, if I'm making a prediction here, I believe that, you know, there's going to come a time, uh, and maybe it's 10 years from now, uh, but I believe that every high school in America is going to have a licensed master's level, at the very least, counselor just to work with athletes. Mm -hmm. A sports counselor who's going to be talking to every team multiple times uh, throughout the academic year that's going to be available for the athletes to stop in because their problems are different than uh, a person that's not an athlete. And so we've got to provide customized uh, treatment. So just like we've got an athletic trainer, yeah. every school is going to have a sports counselor. Yeah. I hope you're right. I mean, that'd be good. So, we talked about some of those uh, causes of anxiety and things. What, what are some signs we can look for um, in our student athletes who might be struggling with anxiety and depression? Injury. You know, a lot of times when the mental fatigue is there, they're going to get injured. And the injury is going to be amplified. So that's one area we want to look at. So our injured athletes are oftentimes the biggest uh, pathway into mental health concerns. Um, again, depression is hurt held inward. I tore my ACL and I'm really held inward. I tore my ACL and I've got high anxiety. I don't know what the rehab, uh, rehabilitation process is going to look like. So that's one of the very first places we want to look. The second is retention. Oh, yeah, we had about uh, you know, three, four people drop off the football team this year. Uh, it's too bad. And we never look into it. But what if we did, what we would find is probably a mental health concern there. Somehow, some way, the return on the investment was no longer worth it because they're just too stressed. 
So we look at injuries and we look at retention. Those are two of the biggest places that we can find out uh, more information. Now, here, but here's, here's again the, the bottom line truth. Who wants to open up Pandora's box and ask those questions? And so if we don't have that licensed professional there who's trained to do that, who else is going to do it? And the answer is nobody because nobody wants to have an extra hour-long conversation with a junior in high school crying over, you know, stuff. But that's where we've got to raise awareness of mental health and, and get the funding behind it to get somebody in place to do that. Good point. Thanks. Those are great. And we just we just met with our student athletes um, this last week and had a couple of sessions on mental health and wellness and some of the things we talked about was just that proper nutrition, sleep being one of them, and exercise. And I, Michael, you did a lot of uh, research on the benefits of sleep and ha that it has on our mental health. And you talked about it a little bit today already. But can you talk about some of those um, things that you talked about in your book about what can you do with, you know, help with people that just struggle with falling asleep? Yeah, yeah, I know sure. you want some tips in there. Sure. Here, well, here's one tip. Uh, Dr. Nick Hall, a uh, neuropsychoimmunologist, um, he had one of the best things I've ever heard. And, and he was just basically describing that every evening, there's a time when you and I and everybody else, we have a great big yawn. Oh, man, I'm getting tired. You know? Oh, by the way, you guys are probably going to now do that in a couple minutes. You know, big yawn. <laughs> it's already <laughs> coming on. Yeah, you feel it now, don't you? <laughs> Man, oh man. So you know what happens there is that, you know, when that yawn comes, um, you know, some believe that's the brain's release of melatonin, the start of that, and uh, or begin beginning the pr process of, excuse me, cooling down the body, which is a necessary part of sleep. And so when that yawn comes, according to Dr. Hall, an hour later is the minute that you would ideally fall asleep. So most of us don't know that uh, minute that we would ideally fall asleep, but there is a minute in your circadian rhythm when every night you like to fall asleep at that mark. And so when that yawn comes, I want you to look at your watch, and then I want you to calculate an hour forward and also get the, all electronics away. No more computer, no more phone, no more iPad. Turn the lights down, go to a bath, have a snack for, you know, a little, little light snack, uh, read a book for pleasure, but ramp your brain down. And if you're able to do that and you hit that minute, now you're going to have great sleep. The problem is if you blow by that minute, then you're going to catch your second wind and now you're going to be up for about another hour and a half. And that's what's happening for most people in America is they lie in bed so tired but they can't fall asleep because they've got a giant blue light. It's blocking the brain's uh, release of melatonin. They're giving themselves anti-melatonin every night. Mm -hmm. And then people, so people don't even know when they would fall asleep. We got an entire generation of high school athletes. They don't even know when they'd fall asleep. And during a the pandemic, they're going to bed two, three o'clock in the morning. So this is a huge factor for why mental health is just spiking. Mm -hmm. So get the cell phone away. Shut down the brain, hit that minute, keep the routine, keep that schedule. If you can do that one thing with sleep, after three nights of consistent sleep, you're going to feel great. Thank you. You're very welcome. Yeah, um, 
I didn't check any of those boxes at all right there. Uh, you're, <laughs> so. Hey, the nice part about it, Aaron, 90% of the people I pull, whether it's athletes or when I speak to companies, athletic director conferences, 90% of all the people are saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not hitting those boxes either. No. And so no. this is where I refer to it in uh, my, my, the second most popular uh, speech I give is called sleep, the number one factor in performance. And in that speech, I refer to uh, the cell phone as our generation's cigarettes. You know, nobody thought that cigarette smoking was a problem when doctors would prescribe it. You know, restaurants had it. It was everywhere. But now nobody lies in bed and smokes a cigarette and, and, and goes to a restaurant, smokes a cigarette, or smokes a cigarette in the car. But everyone does the same for phones. So it's our generation's form of cigarettes is my analogy. Yeah. Um, some statistics, uh, Jared, show that student athletes are less likely to seek help in dealing with mental health issues. What can we as coaches and athletic directors do to support the cause and awareness and, and the openness of, of talking about mental health and awareness so that our kids are more likely to, to bring issues to us when they have them? One, create messages around your school. Looked around the athletic trainer's room first. What, I, what messages would I see about mental health? If I was in a bathroom, uh, that's a great place where people can have a, a, a sign hanging up and people can just snap a quick picture with their phone and say, oh, there's a list of people in my community. Bam, I got it, right? Um, on the electronic messaging boards, is there anything up there about, you know, a message that says it's okay not to be okay? Uh, call this number, talk to this person. Um, can, you know, even the, the, the local counselors in the school, can they make an appearance? Can you possibly give them 15 minutes before a practice at the start of every season to have them just, hey, we're here for you, we're, we're available for you? Uh, is that something uh, that, that you could do? Um, I do have a blog. Uh, I sent out a blog. You know, it reaches about 25,000 people each week. And so, you know, they could sign up at mindoftheathlete.com, get on the blog list. I give a little, a little nugget of information and a short, sweet little blog. And, you know, as an athletic director, you know, you get on that list, send it to your coaches. They can send it to their parents. And again, it's just an email a trail of mental health resources. Um, you know, a number of schools will actually print them out and then have a bulletin board outside of um you know the gym classes where it's mental health and people can constantly see uh messages so these are just some small examples of mental health practices that if you did it when they wouldn't take much they would really go a long way hmm. yeah so Jared, there's a little documentary out right now. I don't know if you've seen it called The Last Dance or heard of it. Um, I, I was listening to a podcast last week, and they were talking about Michael Jordan's move to playing baseball in 1994. Uh, toward the end of the discussion, the writer that was being interviewed said that, that baseball helped Michael Jordan find his love for the game of basketball again. And I think we watched – we're recording this on a Monday, and this was after – episode seven and eight i think we watched it last night we saw that about how he, when he came back 
it was a whole nother, he had gotten his love back. A lot of stuff played into that. The death of his father, the pressure of being Air Jordan had just weighed on him so heavily. You know that. But baseball helped him find his love of the game of the basketball. So here's the question. In a sense, that is what you talk about in your book when you talk about the importance of having hobbies. And we touched on that for a minute. Um, Can you talk about, again, why that is so important for, for us to have hobbies as ADs, as coaches, and then as students? How do we get them to really embrace that? Well, the word is outlet. And outlet means simply to let out tension. And unfortunately, most athletes don't have outlets because, again, they've been raised in a go, 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 overscheduled, overextended, overwhelmed. And it's not them. It's all of us. If you work in athletics, myself included, your life is just so fast-paced. And so, therefore, there's no time for developing things for pleasure, just to like paint. You know, why would I get uh, things out to paint? But I always say every athlete should be an artist because when you uh, paint for a hobby, you've got to learn to manage self-talk. Don't be so critical of your work. And you've got to visualize, you've got to see in your mind what you're going to put on that empty piece of paper. And then you've got to uh, draw that, paint that, and so things like every athlete should be an artist is a really good point that is, again, it's an outlet to let out tension. So the pandemic has been really good in the sense that it's enabling all of us to say, well, you know, what, what books do I want to read? In fact, over here on my little shelf next to me, uh, there's a book called 1776 has nothing to do with sports, but I happen to really appreciate early American life and um, reading that book. And so what book are you reading is what I ask everybody. And if you're not reading a book, then maybe that's one outlet that you might consider um, engaging. Mm -hmm. Now, people often say, well, I like to work out. Think about that word choice for a second. Work out. Like, what are you really working out? Are you, are you trying to get big biceps? Or are you really working out the emotional tension? And so the answer is, yeah, it's mostly the emotional tension. And so we've got to get into working out. But most of us that work in the sports world, especially athletic directors, will say, oh, I want to work out more. I want to lose a few pounds. But I just can't squeeze it in each day. It's just too, too much. But the pandemic is enabling all of us to step back and say, you know what, when we do go back to work, there are some changes that I'm going to make now Mm -hmm. so that I can work out and continue my outlets so I'm an emotionally healthier version of myself. And by doing so, you'll be more pleasant. You'll solve problems more efficiently. People will like to be around you more. You'll radiate good, positive energy. And overall success and happiness will follow. Yeah. I I need that people to to actually enjoy having me around. That'd be good. Right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't worry, buddy. What's that? I said my wife always sends me on walks now. She goes, you need a walk. Yeah. But, you know, 
Hey, how many people in America have gone on a walk and be like, I actually like to go for a walk now. Like, yeah, the best thing, I mean, you know, there are so many college coaches out there who say, ah, oh, one of the best things I do every day is go for a walk with my, my spouse. And this is a big deal. Like go, go for a walk uh, is a great way to clear one's head. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm going to quiz this now, guys. I'm going to put us on the spot about hobbies. Uh, Jared, any other hobbies besides reading 1776 right now? <laughs> of course. Yeah. So our dining room is turned into the art studio at the moment. And so every day I'm down there painting. And so that's been a lot of fun. I also live in an old stone farmhouse. So one of my things is uh, restoration of that. So there's, uh, you know, price build and to work on. And so it's something that I actually really enjoy uh, because it's, you know, when I'm working with rock and dirt and, and brick and I'm outside and I'm building or doing things, it's, it's a different type of work. It's, it's very different than being a psychologist. So um, I love that as well. And so in spin class, I've been really enjoying working out through spinning lately uh, through one of those home exercise bikes. So that's been kind of cool. So those are just a few of the hobbies that I enjoy. Gotcha. Uh, Scott, besides taking walks for three hours when Jane tells you to get out of the house. <laughs> Nice being out in, uh, in my yard and getting the flowers planted and uh, taking care of the trees. And so I, I've spent a lot of time with that. But as Jared talked about, I've, I'm not a voracious reader, but I've actually had the opportunity now to find some time to read, which I've really enjoyed. And we were just talking this morning. We had our coaches meeting. And it's just basically checking how everybody's doing. We talked about what things are you going to be doing now when we're done with our quarantine time? What are you going to continue to do now that you've had an opportunity to do now? And so making, being intentional with your time and, and adding time to, or making sure that you carve out time to do those things that you want to do, those outlets that, that make you feel better and, and um, that you've enjoyed during this time. So yeah. I think that really neat to hear what coaches were what they're doing and how they're occupying their time now and how they're going to continue to occupy that time when we get out of this. Yeah. Aaron, what say you? I got nothing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> the, the working out part for me uh, in particular during this, I've just, I've just had more time. I, I it's something I try to do um, a lot, even when we're going, but to go back to what Jared was talking about, I've, I've found that, as an AD, um, if you're going to exercise, you're, you're, you have to sacrifice sleep. And, I've, and I'm trying to find the right balance of those two things. It's, it's interesting you had that conversation uh, earlier, Jerry, because I can't stump my, our, our, high school, our strength and conditioning coach in our school very often with, with health and nutrition questions. But every time he pushes me on working out, I say, okay, Tim, which is more important, seven hours of sleep? or getting a workout because I can't have both. And he just, he kind of looks at me, he's like, because he knows they're both important and he doesn't know what to tell me uh, as far as an answer goes. But the exercising is something I enjoy. It helps me um, unwind. I usually start a run um, with something, a marble rolling through my head, either a frustration or something I know I need to work on. And I either have flushed it by the end of the run or figured it out by the end of the run. Um, 
And so that's, it's good for me to, to organize thoughts. Um, reading has been something that's been good for me uh, as well. Um, the yard, I, I like this time of year because uh, everybody asks me why I don't have a, a riding lawnmower for the size of yard that I have. Um, it takes me two hours to mow my yard and it's a good two hours to get away from everything else. Yeah. So. Love it. Gotcha. Well, for me, it's pretty much the same. I started with it. I'm a smoker of meats <laughs> and eventually of cheeses. Um, so, no, I, I like to just play around with different recipes on the smoker and doing things like that. Got my vinyl that I listen to uh, whenever I can. I love listening to old vinyl. And uh, the reading has come back. My wife has me on now week nine of our workout regimen, uh, beach body lift four. And I tell you, boys, it's coming. I, I'm ready for the beach. You won't, you won't believe it. But, uh, yeah, so we do that together sometimes. Sometimes we don't. But she's kicking my rear end, I'll tell you that. She's uh, amazing. Uh, so it's, it's been a lot of good things. And like you said, Scott, it's a matter of figuring out what we're going to continue when we get out of this. There will be a lot of good things that we need to make sure we continue yeah. and hold each other accountable for as well. So, You know, one – one thing I would have added more consistently to the exercise piece, and I, I, I'm starting to get very sold on the, the powerful benefits of the, is, is yoga. Um, it, it is just such a, uh, I feel lighter. I feel relaxed. Um, even if it's, even if it's a stressful, you know, more, more intense yoga, um, session, it, the feeling when you're done and, and when you do that three, four times a week, uh, I don't know if you guys have tried it before or, or Jared, what your research says on that, but that is a, that's a powerful exercise tool to clear your mind. It's one of the best. And it's great to see that more and more people are having the time to experiment, to maybe take a little yoga class, to try something at home rather uh, as a yoga class. And so this is where, Everyone is rethinking health, rethinking balance, rethinking their body. You know, our emotional stress gets stored in physical symptoms. So if we can work on our breath control, breathing control through yoga, uh, being calm and relaxed while being in a little bit of a stressful position, it really translates then over to the mental stress that would occur during the day. and We can be a little bit more calm and relaxed as well. So without a doubt, um, every athlete should be an artist and doing yoga. Well, Jared, we, we're going to, I'm going to ask you a question that we ask all of our guests. And if you could go back and talk to a young Jared Spencer, knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself? What advice would you give yourself? Yeah, what I, I would say personally, I would just say that it would be, quite frankly, be, it would be an issue of faith. And I would say that, you know, God's got a plan for you, buddy, and hang in there. There's a lot more than just the body and this community and, and sports and, the, and even the mind, the mental stress. You've got a spirit, you've got a soul. And, and so know that you're unique and special and know that your future is bright and, uh, you know, don't worry about it. It's, it's all going to work out. You know, as a young student athlete, like many, people are anxious. They're, they're striving. They're, they're, they're competing. They're trying. Um, but I would have layered 
uh, a faith component on it to to kind of ease the anxiety at a much deeper level. Now, obviously, that's a very difficult topic, and, and we guys sometimes have to be careful, quite frankly, talking about it in, in public schools, but that's the layer that I would definitely have put on it, um, what the message I would have given myself back then. Thank you. All right, Jared, the, the second question that we always wrap up with our, our guests and ask our guests um, is, what, what is your why? Um, so when you think about what it is you're doing and, and with your uh, mind of the athlete and, and, and what you're trying to accomplish right now, what, when you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the floor, what's driving you forward with what you do? What's your why? Well, again, if I'm being very transparent about it, I'll just pull that faith piece in it as well. It just happens to be a part of my life, so it, it is my why. And I believe that my ministry is to help, uh, help people heal emotionally. And I'm a healer, and I bring um, healing to people emotionally by teaching them a little bit about how the mind works and by having my eyes and ears open to their pain and suffering, letting them know they're not alone offering a lot of validation, encouragement, empathy, and support, and educate, educate, educate. And so every day I get out of bed and I provide uh, health and healing uh, for people. And I love, love, love doing that because uh, there's so many people that are struggling, but they just don't know who. Like, who would I even talk to? Who, who even knows my situation? Who's gone through anything like this? So my why is really rooted in, in the belief that this is, this is my mission and ministry. Good stuff. Thank you uh, for sharing that. And, and what, a, uh, what a great mission to be on, um, to try to find ways to reach folks and help them become, uh, become stronger uh, uh, mentally, become, you know, find ways to deal with the struggles that we all have. Um, so thank you for that mission uh, as well. Um, well, Jared, it's been great having you on. We're going to kind of wrap up with some closing thoughts. And I, I was going to go one direction with this, but as the, as the session's gone on, uh, I, um, the timeliness of you and, and Todd connecting uh, just in the past few days and then being on the show with us here today, um, in my opinion, just couldn't be, uh, it's not a coincidence. Maybe I'll just say it that way. Um, we were talking ahead of time before you joined us and, and before you came on, Todd and I were on a little early and just talking a bit. And I just was voicing for myself personally. I'm, I'm reaching a point here um, where it's, it's getting harder day after day to keep managing the things we're managing. And our, our parents and our kids, there's more and more stress mounting, especially with our seniors um, as we get closer to those closing moments. I mean, I know we've lost the spring seasons and, and things like that. But now, you know, we're in graduation season. And no matter how hard we're all trying to, to do things to, to make it right for our seniors, there's still this building pressure and stress and anxiety and frustration about and disappointment about what's happening. Um, and I think that's building in all of us. I'm feeling it myself. And I was talking with Todd about that ahead of time. So um, I, I hope our listeners will take some things from the, the show today in terms of I'm um, trying to reframe and rethink and, and build some patience and some understanding um, with where folks are coming from uh, and, and what anxiety they may be having 
um, and how they're managing this pandemic right now, because otherwise we're going to, well, I, I feel a pressure. There's times I feel like a pressure cookie are coming on and it's just going to, yeah. um, uh, I don't know, create, I only use the word explode, but I, I, you, you get what I'm getting at here. We're kind of getting sure. to that point. We've been doing, we've been doing this for two months and um, where's the end uh, on that? And with so many high pressure things coming up. So I appreciate your time today. Um, there's a lot of things I've taken from this today, uh, just reminders about um, keep your mind focused on what's important and, and understand people's perspectives and where they're coming from and figure out what, what the root cause of their frustration might be so that I can try to, to, to deal with them in that space versus my frustration of what's going on. So I really appreciate that. I'd be curious on you guys' thoughts on, on some of those things as well. Yeah, I think you're right, Aaron. Um, this is timely, and I, I think, uh, you know, I, I, we share a faith component, Jared, and I think all things are God-ordained. Uh, moments are ordained, and uh, this was perfect timing. And as Aaron and I were talking, I'm thinking, Aaron, you just want to talk with Jared one-on-one -on -one and pay for a session? <laughs> I mean, we may have gotten it, but um, you're right. Um, I shared this with my coaches and uh, the other day, too, was, you know, we just have to find ways. Um, again, we don't have all the answers, but yeah, we've been doing this for a long time now. What seemed like longer than what it is, but it, it has been a long time. Um, in the athletic world, we're almost like dog worlds. I mean, it's, it's one month can equal seven months because we're so used to being with people and interacting and high-fiving and celebrating and the the joy of victory and the agony of defeat, all of that. We, we get that every other day uh, and we don't have that. So there's, there's a big hole in our heart right now. And um, I, I do think we've, one of the things I know that you mentioned in your book also, Jared, is we just have to be, we have to be able to identify that, recognize that and admit, uh, you know, that we're going through those things. And so, um, Again, I think that's that was the beauty of the 10 minutes before, Aaron, was just, you know, you could share that. You needed to share that. You've been waiting to share that. Uh, <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. Um, it's okay that we're frustrated. And I think that's the biggest message I've told our coaches to tell our kids, too, is it's, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to be frustrated. Let's, let's at least talk about it and, and just voice your opinion, voice your feelings, and uh, just let us know how we can help you. So. Uh, yeah, this was this was great timing, and I, I hope our listeners they will take a lot from this. I know they will. Yeah, I believe that they will, and because the bottom line is this: you're not alone. And I talk to athletes and coaches and parents and administrators and business leaders um, every day, and the message is still the same, which is we're all suffering in silence. You know, we kind of put the best foot forward. But even if we're having a, you know, overall doing well, there's still days when we feel in a, in a bit of a funk mm -hmm. and we just feel off and not really motivated and relationships are strained with family members at times and things are complicated. And so we've got to do more to reach out to our colleagues. Now, here's one final key point. Athletic coaches and administrators are typically very extroverted people which means that they recharge by being around other people. Mm -hmm. Introverts tend to be having a little bit of an easier time. 
pandemic because they recharge by being away from people. And so quarantine is a little bit easier, uh, a little bit easier, not saying it's easy, but it's a little bit easier because they're more comfortable just being away. So I believe that coaches and athletic administrators are having a particularly tough time because we need to be around people. We need the energy we feel Mm -hmm. from, you know, a Friday night football game and uh, the stands are rocking and it's, it's so cool. So for each of you, I want to encourage you guys with reaching out to each other and continuing to dialogue and share and talk. We've got to pull our coaches and our athletic departments together around the topic of mental health. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. My pleasure. Scott, anything else? I just one comment you made, Todd. We actually just talked about this the other day. Is it how as athletes and Jared just mentioned it, that we are always looking for that external, you know, fill up. We always need other people to fill us up. And, and Jared talked about us needing those outlets, whether it's out, whether it's going for a walk, whether it's painting. Um, and we need to start maybe through this time, this just came to me, but maybe we need to start just doing a better on ourselves up and we don't need the energy and we don't need those other things from other people to fill us up emotionally. And, um, but we need to do a better job of filling ourselves up and, and, you know, I, I always heard just said it, but we reach out, we get to talk to each other each week um, through this podcast and, and usually more, but um, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to do that. I need uh, other people to, to help kind of fill that gas tank for me, but um, it, it's just made me think about what I can do for, for my own mental health that can help me through it, and I don't always have to rely on others to fill that gas tank up for me, so... But I do appreciate, Jared, you being on today. And I always really appreciate my relationship with Todd and Aaron. So thank you for being on, Jared. My pleasure. Oh. Aaron, final follow-up? Um, no, I, 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 I appreciate the, the conversation. Um, and... It, it was it was underlined in this today because we, we could spend a whole nother hour then you know we've we've talked a lot here today about just the signs and the symptoms and what to look for and and some ways to have conversations about it we could spend a whole nother session and then some on the now that we've become more aware of it um the um how that translates into the better performance side of it um a, a, as well so it'd be interesting maybe sometime to, to spin that direction on too and now let's let's head to the to that end, because that opens up a whole other um, conversation. Once we learn how to become aware of our emotions and how we're feeling and what's causing that now, and then man- and, and better manage um, how that turns us into more productive, more effective um, leaders, athletes, coaches, uh, et cetera. So um, keep digging into this as ADs and as coaches, because as we talked about the competitive advantage, um, while not maybe the primary focus of, of being aware of mental health, certainly a nice, uh, a nice perk of diving into this mental health uh, um, arena as well. Yeah. Well, Todd and uh, Aaron and, and Scott, just one final um, thing for you guys as a, as a blessing back to you guys and the people that you're serving that are going to listen to this podcast. Uh, right now during this pandemic, you know, my way of helping the larger community is to say, you know what, if, if you want a free copy of the PDF version of my book, I'll send it to you. 
And so any person listening to this podcast that's one of your followers, it would be my pleasure to bless them. All they got to do is go to mindoftheathlete.com. You just click on an email there, um, send me a note, and I will send you the digital download so that you can read the book for free as well. And I hope that that has a positive ripple effect within your corner of the world and uh, the sports world around you because you, me, and everyone else, man, if you work in sports, you're only here because people poured into you. So this is my way to bless back. Yeah, thank you. That's great. That's great. Uh, been through the book once, and I plan on going through it again. It's really good, Jared. Thank you for that. And so where else can they connect with you on social media, YouTube, um, to, to follow you daily? Sure, yeah. Mind of the Athlete has over 500 videos alone on YouTube. And so there's a lot of resources available for people there. And certainly mindoftheathlete.com, I would say sign up for the blog so that each week uh, there'll be a nugget of sports psychology content coming to you as well. It's another great um, resource. And then uh, lastly, you know, uh, Instagram and Facebook, either Jared Spencer or Mind of the Athlete. And uh, it'd be my pleasure to connect that way. All right. Very good. Thanks again. It's been our, our great pleasure to have you on. And um, I know our listeners appreciate it too. So thank you very much, yeah. Dr. Jared Spencer. Well, so anyway, thank you uh, everyone for listening. Uh, we look forward to connecting with you again in another week on Beyond the Bench. Thanks to our partners, Hometown Ticketing, Gipper, and Varsity Bound. And everyone have a great week out there and be blessed.